So as we sit here and we talk about this, and it's kind of a kind of a hard shift from having our little kids up here on the stage to Randy standing up and talking about human trafficking. There's not a harder shift than that. And in to some degree, uh, that's kind of what the Christmas story is. It's this constant contradiction. It's this constant two storylines running side by side of innocence and purity next to sin and guilt and shame. And they're running side by side throughout the life of Christ. And so when we come to the Christmas story this year, we're going to kind of approach it from a different kind of angle, if you will. We're calling it un-Christmas. You see that sign around. You see Christmas trees pointed upside down. We're maybe turning them right side up. I don't know, however you want to see it. But we're calling this the un-Christmas. We're trying to point out the unthinkable elements of Christmas, the uncommon sacrifice of Christmas, the unlikely people who are the recipients of this Christmas gift. We're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks, going right into our Christmas Eve gatherings that will be uh, uh, here at, at Grace Point. So hopefully you'll plan on being a part of that. And we're starting with the uncommon story today, talking about an uncommon sacrifice. We're not going to talk about Jesus cute and cuddly and in a, in a cradle or anything like that. We're going to talk about Jesus dying and suffering on a cross. We're not going to the cradle. We're going to the cross today. And we're going to start there because I don't want us to, to fly into Christmas season and to fly out of it and miss the true impact of this time and what it means. So take your Bibles. Be finding the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Now, you just know by the context of John chapter 1 that we are looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's not whenever he's a baby in a, in a manger, but we are at the front end of his ministry uh, just by the fact that we're, the, we're, in first, uh, we're in John chapter 1. And we're going to see, as he's launching out into his ministry, a statement that was made by, about him. It was made by John the Baptist, a relative of his, born a few months. I don't know exactly how many months, how much older he was than Jesus. But he was born, and he makes this statement in the public arena. Now, John, you've got to understand, had a thriving ministry of his own. He was a prophet. He was a strong prophet. He was kind of an eccentric guy. He liked to wear camel's hair and eat bugs. That was his diet. So he was a little, little, a little different. But at the same time, he was a powerful, influential prophet. In fact, so powerful and so influential that the Levites came to him at one point and said, Are you Elijah? Who are you? You're, you're different. You're not just another prophet. And they really trying to dig into who he was. He said, Listen, I'm just, I'm just John. There's a guy coming, though, who's coming after me. I can't, I'm not even worthy to, to tie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. And he appears the very next day. And whenever Jesus walks on the scene, it's as if this, this moment in time where John just stops what he's doing. He says, everybody, look. Listen, behold is the word he uses. That's an imperative command. He said, guys, listen, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Listen, that guy. That's the one you're looking for. And so let's look at that passage right now. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is He whom I said. After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. 
Now, before you get lost in the before me's and the after me's and the all around me's kind of thing there in, that, in verse 30, I want you to notice that last phrase, because he was before me. John the Baptist is declaring, even though Jesus was younger than him in earthly years, John is saying, no, 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 don't get confused here. This man, this God-man was before me. He's always been he is, he is greater than me. He is before me. He is older than me because He's always existed. He is declaring the deity of Christ. Now, in this day and age, we some people struggle with the deity of Christ. They say it was made up by the early church fathers. But I can tell you right now, the prophet in his own day was declaring that Jesus was God. And he's declaring it right here in this passage of Scripture. But I want to talk today about two uncommon elements in this sacrificial gift that we get from God. This sacrificial gift wrapped up, if you will, in swaddling clothes, not in wrapping paper, not in tinsel, not in anything else, but wrapped up here and given to us. And what is this? This elements that we should look at and consider this Christmas season and throughout our life. One thing that we don't want to miss is the scope of this gift. Just how much was this gift worth? How much, what was the value, the price tag on it? I can say this, that when God reached into his pocket, proverbial pocket, and pulled out his son and gave his son to us, it was not just another gift. Like we will give and receive this Christmas season, not just another gift. In fact, this idea of this gift was so unique, was so uncommon. This was the one and only son of God. That was given for you and me. Now you, if you've been around church any length of time, you know that. You've been to Sunday school. You passed John 3.16. You know that. But I want us to not pass by that too quickly. I don't want the, the familiarity to become so common that we miss this. This sacrificial gift. This, this is a, a, a kind of almost a, 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 a conflicting metaphor that's going on here. Because he says, the Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They're contradictory statements here. Are they, they seem innocent because you have the innocent Lamb. And then you have sin, the filth of sin. You have, you have a Lamb that should be free to roam and run and play. But then you have the Lamb who is a sacrifice. You have these two images, almost as much of a contradiction as having our beautiful kids across the stage and then immediately turning around and talking about human trafficking. And this doesn't go together. Well, so you have it when you come to the Christmas story. I want us to look at this a little closer. Let's look at the depth of the gift. The depth of this gift, the scope of this gift from God that we receive, the cost of it. Now, whenever he mentions this lamb, what is this Lamb of God? Now notice it's not just a Lamb. It is the Lamb. The Lamb of who? Of a good man, of a good prophet, or a, of a man needing repentance and forgiveness of sins? No, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one, John is saying, that we've been looking for, we've been waiting for, we've been talking about for hundreds of years. And it's given to us by God. God Himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God who created it all, it is the Lamb of God. That's interesting whenever, and I didn't know that till this week. I didn't know what I'm about to share with you until this week. But when I think of lamb, I use lamb and I think of little lambs. I think of big lambs. I think of 
she lambs and he lambs. And I think of just a lamb as a lamb, right? Lamb chop, lamb whatever. You just lambs. There's no specificity or whatever about lambs, all right? It's just a lamb. But in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, because lamb was a very, very much a prized animal, a sacred animal used in worship, used to, to raise, used to... There was a part of their commodity. They broke it down. They had, they had male lamb names and they had female lamb words and they had sheeps and rams and goats and they distinguished it between them all. The word he uses here is of a baby lamb. Behold, the if I can put the amplified version on it, the baby innocent spotless lamb of God is right there. Can't miss him. Now, again, I, I look at that metaphor and I go, why, God? Why did you choose a, an innocent lamb, a cute lamb, a cuddly lamb? Why didn't you choose a snake? Now, why didn't you choose a hyena? Why didn't you choose an old, wore-out, little tattered lamb? Rather than a cuddly, small, cute, innocent lamb. And that just shows again the contradiction of what's going on. You have innocence taking care of degradation. You have purity taking care of impurity. You have the innocent spotless Lamb of God being given to you and me. The cost of this gift is very great. The, the, the cost and the beauty that is given to us from God. This same word is would be the same word in Hebrew in 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 9 where it says Samuel took a nursing lamb and he offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. See, this is this is not something that was just in the New Testament. This was something that had been going on for years. They'd been taking little small nursing lambs and they had been sacrificing them. Mike, where are you going with this? When we come to Christmas, what do we do? We give gifts. We give lots of gifts. We exchange gifts and we give gifts on top of gifts. We give more gifts to one person than the other person. We give expensive gifts. We give cheap gifts. We re-gift uh, even. And we don't tell people about that, that one. Uh, and, and we do all this gift exchanging. We do this elephant gifting at office parties or whatever. We give gifts. When we come to the real Christmas story, we're not talking about giving gifts. We're talking about making a sacrifice. We're talking about something that couldn't be given any other time, couldn't be re-gifted, couldn't, couldn't be exchanged, some, couldn't be duplicated, couldn't be manufactured and sent over to America and sold and all the stuff. No, there was only one gift and this one little precious gift was named Jesus and it was given to you and me. So in the familiarity of Christmas, let's, let's, let's pause a moment and let's kind of reintroduce the story again afresh and let's see the precious, innocent gift that we were given, this Lamb of God. It's not just another gift. It was a sacrifice. You know the difference between a gift and a sacrifice. I heard the parable of a, of a pig and a, and a hen that went to church. And they had a Christmas offering. And they were going to uh, ask everybody to give a, a sacrificial gift at this Christmas offering. And so the, the hen thought, well, you know what? I'll give a half a dozen eggs. 
And so that's what I'm going to give. I'm going to give a half a dozen eggs. And so the, the pig thought that was a great idea. And so he's sitting there thinking, what am I going to give? What am I going to give? So the hen says, well, why don't you just give a half a dozen ribs? And, you know, that would, that would be a half a dozen, a half a dozen. You're giving your ribs. I'm going to give my, 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 my eggs. And he thought, well, that sounds right to me. It sounds fair. And then he got to thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. What you're giving is a gift that you're going to make more tomorrow. I'm giving myself if I give my ribs. You know, I think when we come to this topic of giving, we need to pause a little longer at Christmas and we need to see what exactly the kind of gift that God gave us. It wasn't just another gift. It wasn't one of many gifts. It was one. It was the only. It was a sacrificial gift from God. It cost Him. It cost him dearly. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging the members of Grace Point Church this Christmas season to set aside an extra stocking, an extra gift, an extra something in the house that you as a family even right now can begin to talk about. Put it at the center of the table. Put it at the coffee table. Put it on the television. Wherever you can constantly see it, hang it by the chimney. Uh, Hang it with your other stockings by the chimney with care, if you will. But put something else up that says we're going to give a gift as a family, a sacrificial gift as a family this year for the Christmas offering that hopefully will make a difference in some unknown lady's life in the northeast corner of India that I may never know this side of heaven, but hopefully it will make a difference in one or two or three of their lives. Think about how you can make a sacrificial gift The scope of the cost, God gave it all. It's sacrificial. Also notice the width, the scope of the impact. How far did this gift go? Now again, we've been dealing with sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. If you've read the Old Testament at all, you read the very first book of the Old Testament, you'll come and you'll find where in the very first book of the Old Testament, Abel gave a sacrificial gift. He offered a lamb for an individual. You go on through the Bible, you'll find the book of Exodus. You'll find every family offering sacrifices at the time for a lamb sacrifice for their family. A very special time of the Passover. Then you'll find in in Scriptures the day of Yom Kippur or the day of atonement. Whenever a sacrifice was made of a lamb for a nation. A time where a nation's uh, sins would be forgiven and this priest would go into the the Holy of Holies and, and make this sacrifice for the nation. Who's this lamb for? This lamb is for the world. When Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, it was for the entire world. I can tell you as I stand before you today, my neurons in my head aren't firing exactly as, as they should. Um, I've been awake since 2 this morning. And I woke up at 2. And the phrase of all of this passage that was on my head, was in my mind, that I wrestled with and tossed and turned the rest of the night until about 4.30 when I decided to give up and, give up and get up, was for the world. For the world. Mike, for the world. 
the Christmas message, the Christmas sacrifice, the Christmas gift is for the world. And what are you doing with it? I don't know about you, but our Christmas has already started in the McDaniel house. The tree's decorated. The house is decorated. We're already buying gifts for one another. But I haven't been thinking about the world. Christmas is a message for the world. How will we be a part of getting this to the world? I'm thankful that last year through our Christmas offering, $46,000 was given out to our members to go around the world. And it's going to happen again this year where it's going to send our people out. 25% of a, of a person's trip to Africa or, or to India is covered by you, the members of Grace Point, helping those go to the world. So let us, let us, this Christmas season, let us pause long enough, lean in on Christmas long enough, look at it close enough that we see the, the Lamb, the Lamb of God that was given to the world. And what are we doing with that gift ourselves? The second thing about this Christmas gift is the humanity of His gift. And when we come to the Christmas season, we're not celebrating the birth of God, okay? God's always existed. Jesus even existed before He put on flesh and dwelt among man. We find that in, in verse 30 where, 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 where clearly John is declaring it. And there are other, many other passages that point to Christ existing before. John chapter 1, verse 1. Just look there. He's always been. He was around from the beginning. But He puts on flesh. He dwells among men. He, he lives among us. He serves us. And He is with us. We are celebrating His humanity today. We're celebrating His humanity this season. And one of the things we know about this this Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This Lamb of God has a name. In Matthew chapter 1, you might have heard it. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 talks about the Lamb. This Lamb of God, His name's Emmanuel. Christmas, Emmanuel, means God with us. In fact, I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, read it out loud. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That is one of the things we celebrate when we come to this Christmas season. God coming, living, dwelling, being with us. I like the way it says it in John chapter 1, verse 14, out of the message. It says that He pitched His tent among us. He literally came and slept where we slept, ate what we ate, lived among us. He is with us. When we come to the story of Christ, it's not just cute, cuddly Jesus pitching His tent and living among us. Jesus grows up. Jesus is going to die. And there's another name given to Jesus. In the same passage, by the way, in the same passage, just a few verses prior to that, and it's the, the name that He will carry to the cross. It's the name that He will carry on that crucifixion day. His name is Jesus. Jesus means God for us. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So in verse 21, he calls him Jesus. In verse 23, he calls him Emmanuel. Which is it? It's both. It is God with us, and it is also God for us. 
God with us. I love that. I love Emmanuel. It's a very comforting statement to know that I'm not going through this world alone. You're not going through this world alone. We don't go through this world alone when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I also like the next one, though, that God is for us. It gives me a sense of cleansing, a sense of saving and redeeming and re- reconciling and making right of bringing new life into my life. He did that when He went to the cross. We, in a few moments, are going to have, if you hadn't noticed it already when you came in today, there are six stations, three across the front, three in the back section. These are stations where we will observe the Lord's Supper, or communion as some might call it, where there's bread and there's a cup, and you, you'll be given the opportunity, if you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are in walking in fellowship with Him, and you're ready in your heart of hearts to kind of start this Christmas season off by going to the cross instead of the cradle. Starting at the cross and working our way back to the cradle. And taking that bread and taking that cup and taking a moment and reflecting just in your own heart or maybe as an individual, maybe as a family, maybe as a couple, maybe as, maybe as a body life group or however you come. You come, you take, you step aside, you find an empty seat, you sit down, you sit on the stage. I don't care where you go. But you take a few moments and you say, thank you, God, for coming and being with us. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being for us and being my Savior. And as I take that bread, you think of His body and you take that cup, you think of His blood and the new life that comes to that. Because we talked about the Lamb of God. We talk about the scope. He came for the world, but right in the middle, right in the middle, verse 29, we get the mission of God. He came to take away the sins. Came to take away your sins, my sins, the sins of the world. He came to take them away, and He did it in a very sacrificial manner for you and for me. I want to illustrate this by telling a story that actually I... I debated a lot about just for the young ears and just for the drama of it. I'm not trying to create drama, but I think the imagery speaks. It's a story that happened, and I've researched it as best I can. It's several places on the Internet. Made famous, first of all, by D. James Kennedy, a late pastor out of Florida. And uh, he shares this story of John Griffith, who in the Great Depression, the summer of 1937, takes his son to work. His son was just eight years old. His name was Greg. He was playing in and out and around uh, where Dad worked. Dad worked at a drawbridge over the Mississippi River that, that when the tugboats would come down the river, they would, they would raise it up, and it would typically stay raised up, and the boats would go up and down, up and down. And then whenever they needed to, the trains would come through, specifically the Memphis Express. They would lower the bridge down. The trains would come across. They would raise it back up. On this day at 1.07 in the afternoon, John, Dad, hears the, 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 the distant but ever-approaching Memphis Express right on schedule, on its way, about to come across the bridge. And at that moment, Dad jumps back to, to his station, jumps back at the position, grabs the lever to lower the bridge so that the train can safely pass by. When he catches just out of the corner of his eye a horrific 
situation where he sees his son that's climbed down in his playing, has climbed down into the gears. And is it's too far for dad to reach and the train is coming so fast. In this moment, split second in time, he has to make a horrible, horrible decision. There are 400 passengers coming on a train that he doesn't have time to reach down and rescue. Or he can reach down and rescue his, his boy, but then there would be 400 lives lost. He didn't have time to phone a friend. He didn't have time to think about it. He didn't have time. It is decision on the moment. He pushes the lever. And the worst that you could imagine happened to his little boy. The train passes by. And as this scene unfolds, he tells the story of being in the, in the control room, weeping, knowing what has just happened, watching the Memphis Express speed by with 400 passengers in front of his face. And he said he saw one woman putting on makeup. He saw another man looking at his watch. And not a single one of them knew and appreciated the sacrifice that he had just made. I tell that story because I think it's a lot like us at Christmas, even at Easter. We just speed on by to the next Christmas party, speed on by to the next gift giving, speed on by to Black Friday, speed on by to the next meal and the second meal and the third meal, speed on by, and we just blow right past the greatest gift giver and the greatest gift that's ever been given. I'm asking us, and that's why I'm sharing this message now and not later, is I want us to stop the train here. I want us to reflect now. I want us to look at this cup and I want us to look at this bread and the stripes and the piercing that is in this bread. And I want us to remember the gift of our Lord. This is a public celebration. The Lord's Supper is. It's a beautiful celebration that we will do together as a family, as, as, as a church family. And you're invited, if you're a follower of Christ, to join in and be a part of this. Next Sunday, the second ordinance of the church we will observe. We're going to celebrate baptism. Another beautiful, beautiful display. It's a public declaration moment. If you have given your life to Christ and have never publicly declared out loud before everybody, God and everyone, that you've given your life to Him, then next Sunday is a beautiful opportunity for you. You can sign up online about that. That's enough said on that. Let's focus right here. Would you bow your heads with me? As you take a moment in your heart, and I want you to thank and deeply reflect on the gift the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Innocent, spotless, perfect Lamb of God who came 
to spill His blood to take away our sin. And not just ours, the sins of the world. Will the world be on your radar this Christmas? Will you create space in your life, in your budget, in your thinking, in your praying, in your going, in your living for the world? Because it is not a gift for us alone. It is a gift for the world. I want to pray. And then, and then we're going to just open up these stations. And you can come when you're ready. You may need to stay and pray for a while. I don't, I don't know what you need to do. This is between you and God. But this is your time. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the precious, spotless, innocent lamb. The gift that was given, uncommon, yes. Unbelievable, absolutely. Unthinkable what he did and what he went through, certainly. Father, thank you for these moments. And I pray in this moment, Lord, we will take this cup, we will take this bread, and we will remember. And we will set on course the rest of our Christmas season to be one that we will not speed past, blow past, looking at our watches, putting on our makeup, your sacrifice, but come when you're ready. Stations across the front, stations around the back. This is your time.